to us, a child is born. Unto us, a son is given. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flock by night. Suddenly, an angel appeared, and the glory shone around them, and they were so afraid. But the angel said, Do not be afraid, for I bring you great news that will bring great joy. Today in the city of Bethlehem, a Savior has been born. He'll be Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. He'll be wrapped up in swaddling cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, the heavenly host appeared, and they said, Glory to God in the highest, may peace and on earth, and goodwill toward men. And that's what Christmas is all about. I want to give Jesus my heart for Christmas. I want to give Jesus laughter and love. I want to give my heart to Jesus. I want to give Jesus a thousand dollars. Well, aloha and good evening. Merry Christmas. Mele Kalike Maka, Feliz Navidad, and Maligayong Pasko. Merry Christmas in all languages. Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, is born and we rejoice. Thank you so much for joining us for our candlelight Christmas Eve service here at New Hope Community Church. My name is John. I just want to welcome you. A couple of quick announcements. You guys already know that if this is your first time, we'd love for you to get connected. All you have to do is text ALOHA to 28950 and we'll get you plugged in with our weekly newsletter and also our weekly text as well. Secondly is that we are a praying church and if you have any prayer requests, any praise reports, we as a church, we'd love to share that with you and lift you up in prayer. So. Uh, go to our website or there's a prayer tab coming up. Go ahead and fill that out and um, allow the people of God to gather together and to lift up the name of Jesus with you and intercede in prayer. Well, I have one major important announcement and it is this. This Sunday, Sunday, December 26th, there will be no services online or in person. So no 7.30 or 9.30 online or in person, 5 p.m., there'll be none of that. We just want you to take the time, enjoy with your loved ones, with your ohana, and just love on each other and spend time uh, in fellowship together, all right? So no services, but we will start back uh, next Sunday, the following Sunday, we're, we're gonna start a brand new series on 21 days of prayer and fasting, so you make sure to join us. Well, let's uh, receive our tithes and offering uh, tonight and prepare our hearts. Uh, Christmas is about not just gifts and Christmas trees and Christmas carols, but really the heart is a God who loves, the God who would give unto us the greatest gift, which is His Son in Jesus. So as we give, we reflect the God who gave unto us first. We give in worship, we give in obedience, we give in faith 
seeding the kingdom of God here in East Honolulu. Uh, so thank you for partnering with us these last, this last year and seeding into the kingdom of God, investing uh, in heavenly treasure, knowing that what you give, uh, you sow in faith, you will reap in the fruition of God's faithfulness. So let's go ahead and pray. Father, we love you. We worship you. We thank you, Lord, for uh, this time where we could uh, give unto you. I pray, Lord, that you would use uh, these funds, Lord, for the advancement of your kingdom. Bless the giver. Bless everyone within the sound of the, my voice. That your face, your favor, your countenance, your blessings be upon them. We love you. We worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, welcome to our candlelight Christmas Eve service. Uh, we're so thankful that you're here, and I would be the first to understand and recognize that tonight you're probably sitting in your living room or in the beach or in your kitchen, uh, maybe in your car with your family and with toddlers and even babies uh, running around. So we're just going to uh, try to keep it simple, and instead of a full-blown one takeaway and three application point full-on sermon, I just have a meditation Christmas meditation for us uh, tonight. And I prepare this with kids and families in mind uh, sitting together. So thank you for joining us. Uh, I don't know if it's just me, but it really doesn't feel like Christmas, you know? Um, maybe it's just my family, but even our eldest, oldest son Judah, was like, Dad, you know what? It just doesn't feel very Christmassy this year. Uh, I don't know what it is. Maybe when we were young, we had so much expectation for Christmas, but we were rudely interrupted by the reality of what actually happened during Christmas. You know, I'm pretty sure you've seen those memes where uh, memes are those pictures with text in them where um, it's expectation versus reality, what people expect and what the actual actuality and reality of what happened. Here's a couple of examples. Here is expectations of a vacation. Going through the Great Wall of China, you think it's going to be this amazing thing, but boom, there it is. It's filled with choked people, shoulder to shoulder, and you know sometimes reality comes and hits you. Maybe you have this expectation of introducing your newborn to Santa for the first time, and there's your expectation. But reality is, of course, a crying baby who's deathly afraid of a bearded man. Or maybe your expectation next year will be better. Maybe we'll take our, we have an extra kid now, we'll take our kids for a group photo with Santa. And here's your expectation of what it will be. But the reality is a bunch of terrified, crying kids. And you're trying to hold it on together. Or your expectation would be your husband's considerate offer. You'll take him up on his offer to help with gift wrapping this year. There's your expectation, but reality is just a grocery bag, all right? Or, you know, next year, next Saturday, the new year, you have all these expectations of what you want to be, of, of your goals and aspirations and resolutions. Here's your expectation, but reality, we're all just going to sit in our couch and watch TV all day. Well, some of us have expectations of Christmas, but all of us, every single one, we have a perception or an idea or a notion 
what Christmas is and what Christmas looks like. And here is our perception or idea of what Christmas looks like. It's the picture of a nativity scene. It's peaceful, idyllic, it's picturesque. You have Mary there, so Irenic, who just gave birth, who has a halo around her head, almost with makeup on. Her hair is perfectly placed. Look at the animals, the cow, the goats, the sheep. They're so docile and compliant, tame and mild, not making a single noise. I'm pretty sure not even pooping once during the birth of Jesus. To top it all off, there's songs and Christmas carols that's reinforced that, which sing, silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. And we think of this peaceful, picturesque, idyllic um, nativity scene. But in reality, in the spiritual realm, it is completely different. May I say it's completely the opposite. In fact, the scripture points to a totally different narrative, a completely different picture. See, in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, this is our meditation, is that whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. And here's what I want us to meditate on. The reason the Son of God, Jesus, appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. I love the simplicity and clarity of John here. He's either black or white, this or that. And he says the very reason that the Son of God, Jesus, appeared, the word appear there, it means to cause something to be fully made known. It's one of the theological motifs in the Johannine Gospel, meaning it's a theme in the book of John, either 1st, either 1st, 2nd, or 3rd John, and also the Gospel of John is this idea of appearing. The Greek word there is phanerao, which means to make fully known, to make plain, to reveal, to bring to light, or to disclose. In other words, uh, what John is saying here is this, the very purpose, the single objective of Jesus being born in this world is to what? Destroy, annihilate, obliterate the works of the devil. Here's the main point that I want us to think and meditate and dwell on and, and marinate this Christmas Eve. It's this, the purpose of Christmas is to destroy the works of the devil. The purpose of Christmas is to destroy the works of the devil. As we celebrate Advent, which brings hope, peace, love, and joy, we must remember how the, the advent of these four things has come or how it's made possible. In other words, peace is possible because enmity and conflict has been destroyed. Hope has arrived because hopelessness has been vanished. Love is here because indifference and hate has been nailed to the cross and buried in the grave. Joy is here now because death has been defeated. And all these things are possible. How? 
It's possible because Jesus has come. The purpose of Christmas is to destroy the works of the devil. That is to say, hope, peace, joy, and love, they're possible because Jesus has destroyed the devil's work. I have a friend a couple years back, had a daughter at Punahou private school, and she was just really enjoying her time in Punahou, and they actually had a, a field trip in Maui. And she was telling her dad, like, Dad, isn't, isn't Punahou awesome? They're so kind and they're so generous. I mean, for them to just pay for us to go to Maui and spend a week there and do a field trip, stay in a hotel, provide for all of our meals, aren't they so generous? <laughs> and of course, it's not because Punahou is generous. It's because the dad worked his tail off to provide a private school education for his daughter. It's because the dad went through years and years and years and years of undergrad, of grad school, of medical school to develop a career so that he could pay for his daughter to go to not only Puno, but to go to that field trip. And really, Peace, love, joy, and hope. These are all possible because Jesus paid the price. He came to this earth, lived the perfect life you and I can never live, died our death on the cross that we deserved, was resurrected from the dead so that you and I could have eternal life and a life of victory that was made possible because the purpose of Christmas is to destroy the work of the devil. You see, our perception is this. Instead of idyllic and peaceful and this uh, card of serenity or picture in our mind, this postcard picture of the nativity scene, in reality, there's the perception. The reality is this. There's a spiritual cosmic battle that happened when Jesus was born. Look at Revelation chapter 12. Verse 1, a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and 10 horns and seven crowns on its head. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. And the dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that it might devour her child the moment he was born. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. And her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. This is speaking about the resurrection, the ascension of Jesus. The woman fled into the wilderness to a place prepared for her by God where she might be taken care of for 1,260 days. So instead of this picture of this peaceful, idyllic, uh, serene picture in our mind, this is what actually happened in the heavenly realms. This, the archangel Michael fighting this dragon with seven heads 
and tail. Here's another picture, a colorized one. In the heavenly realms on the outside where we experience peace and joy and hope and love, Jesus, through his life, death, and his resurrection, paid for his own blood. He ransomed his own life to destroy the works of the devil. And it's clear here in Revelation 12 that the identity of the child is Jesus. He is the Christ. He is the one installed as the king of the nations in Psalm chapter 2. The dragon is identified in Revelation 12 as the ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan. And the woman represents Israel, the one from whom the Messiah comes, her 12 tribe pictured as the 12 stars above about her head. And at one level, here is the nativity scene. This is a Christmas story where a dragon takes its place alongside of the cow and the donkeys and the sheep in the stable. There's a dragon in the spiritual realm. The reality is that there was a dragon, the devil. In that sense, the dragon stands behind Herod's attempts to murder and abolish and destroy Jesus and all the babies who are male. And what's so intriguing about the story is, a, is that it parallels many other biblical stories. The story of God's people flee, fleeing into the wilderness, pursued by a dragon, echoes the exodus of the people of God, making their way through the sea and pierced by the dragon in Isaiah chapter 51, verses 9 to 10. It echoes of Pharaoh's daughter, or the Pharaoh's, excuse me, of the Pharaoh's slaughter of Hebrew boys is echoed on the attack of the male child. And the thief church has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. The, th the thief, Satan, the accuser of the brethren, he has come to destroy your soul, to destroy your future to get you enslaved in pornography, to get you enslaved in substance abuse, to entrap you with drug abuse. But listen, church, but Jesus has come, and here's the purpose of Christmas, Jesus has come to destroy the works of the devil. I don't know what your story is, but, you know, having my parents here, I shared last week, my parents are staying with us for the next couple of weeks until my mom's foot heals better. But, man, there were just stories of our family of origin, stories about my own life. It's like, man, John, John, you were such an angry kid. You had such a temper. Do you remember... When you got into fight, you were five, six years old, you got into fight with your brother and you pulled out the knife from the kitchen drawer, you chased your brother, your brother had to lock himself in the door and then you were slicing, trying to open the door. You had so much anger and murder in your heart. You know, my own family, uh, I'm just one generation removed from uncles who, who are alcoholics whose lives have been destroyed by marital infidelity, 
and adultery. I have an uncle that he was a politician in the Philippines and when he was killed by one of his lovers, assassinated, they kind of gathered and talked to, took an account of all his children. He had over 20 children from different mistresses. And this is like my family of origin. This is what, my, what I'm prone to be and what my tendency is. But the good news of Christmas church is that Jesus has come to destroy, to abolish, to relinquish the works of the devil. I don't know what your history is, but the good news of Christmas and what the angel tells Joseph in Matthew chapter 1 verse 21 that, hey, don't be afraid. Your wife Mary, she will bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sin. Did you guys catch that? It doesn't say Jesus will save people from the penalty of sin. Yes, Jesus will pay the price of sin, which is death. He died on the cross to pay for the penalty of my sin, of my rebellion, of my wrongdoing, of your wrongdoing. But listen, the promise of Jesus is that He will save people, not from the penalty of sin, which He does do, but what? He will save people from their sin. In other words, Jesus has come to give you power over sin. You are a new creation in Christ. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, the good news is that, listen church, hear me out. Jesus has come. The purpose of Christmas is to destroy the work of the devil. It's to break through the strongholds that have been holding in your family. If you trace through and, and, and think about the dysfunction in your own family, the dysfunction in your parents or grandparents and uncles and aunties and relatives and cousins of the cycles of abuse, substance abuse, alcoholism, marital infidelity, cheating, lying, jail time, incarceration. And Jesus has come to destroy that. Jesus says the kingdom of God must be taken by force. And how did Jesus accomplish that? By giving himself. God is so serious about your freedom and your victory that he took it upon himself. Lived on this earth for over 30 years. Lived a perfect life. Lived a life of hunger and pain and forsakenness and persecution. He died an excruciating death on the cross that you and I should have taken, but he took our place. He became our substitute. He became a vicarious, substitutionary, atonement, death on the cross for you and for me. But listen, He died and He resurrected on the third day so that we could have victory. And so, as we wrap this up, what are the works of the devil that is tripping you up? What is entangling you? What is stumbling you in your faith? What is...
a work of the devil that's mastering you and controlling you and manipulating you? Is it anger? Is it hatred? Is it unforgiveness that's consuming your heart? Is it pornography? Is it lust? Is it covetousness? Is it alcoholism? Whatever it is, the Son of God appeared to destroy the works of the devil. Would you lay it down before Jesus tonight? We're going to have a time of candle lighting. So if you can have your candle ready. And let's prepare and let's sing and celebrate the very purpose of Jesus. And let's go ahead and sing. <laughs>